From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Research Market Signals podcast. My name is Mark Zabicki, Chief Investment Officer uh, at LPL Financial. Joining me today is uh, Adam Turnquist, our Chief Technical Strategist uh, at LPL. Adam, how are you today? Doing good, Mark. How are you? Uh, not doing, not doing too bad. Um, you know, off off the long weekend, uh, markets closed yesterday, and and we are talking to you um, Tuesday, February twenty first for this market signals, you know, podcast, you know, a, a edition. Um, it is going to be important for us to kind of talk about the the. the well, the goings on in, in capital markets, frankly, Adam, in terms of the market's been a little bit softer over the last you know couple of weeks or so, and we're we're going to touch on some of that. You know, what you're not seeing a whole lot of softness in these numbers as we present them. The global equity market returns look, we'll call it flattish over the last week. They've been a little bit higher in the small cap space. Um, and you know a little bit below um, below the zero line in European equity markets, the the equity sector activity has been a, a little bit hit and miss. Energy has been under some some considerable pressure, um, and really the, the one of the key winners for for U.S. markets from a sector perspective is really utilities and staples, which is little bit more of a defensive um, areas of the market that are that are doing well kind of part and parcel of what we're seeing over the last week or so and or, or a couple of weeks actually in in equity market activity on markets been under a little bit of um, additional pressure obviously we had this you know long run months months long run at least through January um, of you know gains in the bond market and some of the some of that activity has been pared back as bond markets over the past week have been under you know some slight pressure yields on the rise a little bit more um, and we're going to discuss that just a little bit um, today we had um, or we are going to have this week uh, PMI numbers from uh, the U.S. economy all important FOMC. Minutes come out on Wednesday, and we're expecting to see some semblance of a little bit of a dovish tone from those minutes. We'll see if that that changes over the next you know several months um, due to what's going on in the inflation world today. Um, a little bit more of a stickier inflation period that we're kind of going through right now. GDP, U.S. GDP numbers will also get on uh, Thursday. And part of that inflation story is actually going to be written in Friday's personal con consumption expenditure number. Again, this is the Fed's key inflation data point that it pays attention to. That'll be on Friday. Um, in non-US uh, economic conditions, a lot of PMI activity across the Eurozone, the UK, um, including Germany, and most of it was better than expected. Germany was a little bit weaker than expected in general terms, but broadly Eurozone and UK um, services and manufacturing activity uh, was a little bit better than expected, probably be because 
you know, since about October, you've seen a rollover in inflation. Um, inflation peaked in September, October of last year in the UK and the Eurozone, and now it's beginning to kind of roll over. So sentiment uh, in, in those markets have been a little bit better. And, and perhaps that's been read through in a lot of the PMI surveys that we've we've witnessed over the last you know couple of weeks or so from or actually the last couple of months or so uh, in the eurozone and in in the UK um, in 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 the US key up key issues upcoming this week it's really basically about the FOMC minutes and the PCE number on Friday you know you know Adam just bringing you in on just some general comments. I know we're going to get some get some get to some charts, but some general comments on um, the weakening market condition over the last you know couple of weeks or so, and how investors should think about that. Yeah. So as you alluded to earlier, it's it's definitely softened a bit, and a big part of that is just what we've had to absorb over the last week or two. You know, last week was we had hotter than expected CPI on the consumer side. Um, also on the wholesale side or producer side, PPI came in above estimates, retail sales came in above estimates. So all that translated into higher rates and ultimately a, a higher um, Fed funds futures market. So that readjustment really poured some cold water on this rally that we've seen off the December lows. Um, on the technical side, though, we're really not seeing major technical damage. You know, right now it kind of looks like a pullback from overbought levels. We'll watch to see how far this drawdown goes and some key support levels on the upcoming charts. So, yep. And, and, you know, interestingly enough, this morning, um, you know, Walmart and Home Depot reported numbers, and all indications were that they're expecting a softening consumer activity throughout the balance of, of 2023. So, we, we balance that with, you know, a, a labor market that is still, you know, tight, we balance that with consumers, although they're expecting to kind of soften their pace of, of money spending in 2023, they still have this excess, excess savings that they're working through. Um, and that may have been putting, you know, a little bit more of a stubborn pressure into inflation, inflation readings, you know, as of late. So it's a little bit of a give and take. And I know, the market has has had trouble with that over the last couple of weeks because, as you as you mentioned, there's there's more expectations that the Fed may in fact have more work to do in terms of rate increases, um, and we're getting fits and starts of softening indications in the economy. So there's it's really no surprise that the market's having a little bit of, of trouble with that over the last you know couple of weeks or so. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's really, you know, looking at the catalysts that are in place, you know, earnings as well. I think it is a relatively low bar in terms of the earnings setup for this quarter. But I don't think, you know, the, the market's looking for catalysts to new highs. It's really catalysts for more of a market bottom. And, and I think technically um, we're seeing those play out. So, yeah, and, and we've seen that play out through the, the balance of February largely. We've kind of moved sideways. Um, through the month of, of February and, you know, the Federal Reserve and the questions around policy, certainly, uh, you know, the main issue there. Uh, turning to you, Adam, on uh, on your your 
technical setup for you know U.S. equity markets. As you mentioned, there's been some technical damage, but um, we still are holding strong in terms of the trend. What's your take? Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, we've had this pullback from overbought levels. If you think about it, we were up 10% in 25 days going back to those December lows. So we had a significant rally that actually took out a key area of resistance at 4,100. That was a key level for the S&P 500. And now we're starting to see a pullback from overbought levels. You know, that's taking out support at 4,100. Of course, it's not a linear path higher. That was a pretty... Um, a pretty significant trajectory of, of the market. Clearly, um, that was not sustainable. So now we're, we're starting to see a, a healthy pullback, we'll call it, from those overbought conditions. Um, on the chart that I brought today, you can see um, in the bottom panel, that looks at the percentage of stocks within the S&P 500 that are overbought based on the relative strength index. You were close to 30% when we, we put in a top back uh, earlier this month. Now you've reset to single digits. So again, I think it's corrective, but we're really not seeing a, a break below this developing uptrend. Um, that's really the key thing that we're watching on the technical side is, you know, are we going to retest this uptrend? It does coincide right around the 200-day moving average. Um, so that support level that we're watching is, call it right around 39.50. You know, if we start to get below that level, you know, that would be a, a much bigger concern as we're now violating an uptrend. I think ultimately, though, you know, for this, for really for bears to, uh, you know, I guess, consider this a, a bear market rally versus sustainable bottom, you'd really need to take out the, the December lows. Um, that's at 37.83. So we're still above that level. Collectively, when you look at the damage um, internal internally in terms of market breadth, you can see in the middle panel, that's the percentage of stocks that are above their 200-day moving average. You know, you're at 69% as of this morning. So we're not seeing a lot of stocks break below their key moving averages. I would also note just the composition of market breadth is, is very bullish. When you're looking at financials, you know, close to 85% of the financial sector is above their 200-day. Um, the industrials are doing well. And some of the other consumer discretionary and tech are all exerting the, the best market breadth right now. And you compare that to more of the defensive sectors, for example, consumer staples and utilities, they actually have the weakest breadth right now. So this is exactly what you want to see when you're coming out of a market bottom. Of course, you know, it, like I said, it's not going to be a linear path. So expect these pullbacks, especially when things get overbought. Yeah, yeah. Um, good point about the linear path, Adam. I, you know, I, I think, you know, in no way did we expect the strength that we saw in the month of January to continue through um, in, in that linear path. Um, it, it is going to be a difficult, difficult market in 2023, even though we are what we call cautiously constructive on equity exposure. Um, so, um, so we're looking at this really as a, as a constructive pullback, as opposed to um, you know, a, a more definitive rollover in, in our position. Um, we're, we're still you know, cautiously constructive, relatively, you know, bullish on, on U.S. equities and global equities in general, uh, even though we've seen, you know, markets kind of soften here, that that, that position is unchanged. Um, one of the reasons of the softening, as we've talked about already this, uh, this morning and for this edition of Market Signals is, that the Fed has kind of um, 
maybe uh, change the game in terms of what it may think about policy. At least that's what the market is telling us. What does this chart show? Yeah, this is one I've been updating for a while. And I would I would say this is the biggest jump that I've seen in, I'm calling it rising Fed expectations. Um, the blue line is where the Fed funds futures market was about a month ago. The orange line is the current Fed funds futures market. So we're really seeing, you know, this game of chicken play out with the Fed versus um, the Fed funds futures market. And after last week's inflation data and some of the retail sales data, looks like the futures market finally swerved and kind of realigned closer to the Fed's messaging, which is higher for longer. And that's really what this chart is showing. You can see how the um, the terminal rate for Fed funds futures has been pushed significantly higher just over the last month. And it's also been pushed outward. So meaning, you know, we might not see a peak in the Fed funds rate until potentially August. Um, that's what, you know, this chart is really showing. Previously, it was maybe spring. We were looking at maybe May, then it went to June, and now it's been pushed out to, to August. And it's also significantly higher. You know, we went from 490 uh, for a terminal rate. Now we're at 530. But if you look at how the markets reacted, which I think is really notable, I'd still consider it a relative win, just considering, you know, the S&P is still up over 1% during this time frame, which is I don't I don't know, Mark, if I told you we repriced Fed fund futures this much higher and, you know, the S&P would be higher or the Nasdaq 100 is up. I was looking earlier, almost five percent during this time frame. So, yeah. you know, there's definitely some complacency, I think, with just, you know, the end is near with the Fed funds uh, rate hike cycle. Yeah, it looks like the the market's telling you it, it may be willing to look beyond um, any near term machinations and give or take of of where the exact um, terminal rate would be. Um, I, th I think it seems that market participants are comfortable in saying that whether it's May, June, July, August, it's going to happen relatively soon, um, and the, the deceleration in, in inflation does does tell us that. Um, what does the 10-year treasury yield tell us? Yeah, I, I know the market has absorbed a lot of that rate hike expectations. It does not mean there's not, you know, there's no risk for higher rates. And that's what we're seeing with the 10-year treasury yield right now. Obviously, that's you know, higher rate expectations have played right into higher 10-year treasury yields. Um, you can see here technically we've had this pretty big bounce off the rising 200-day moving average. Um, just over the last, call it um, several, well, two to three weeks, we'll call it. And now you're bumping into key resistance right around 390. Why is that 390 important? That 390 level important? That goes back to your your prior highs um, back in the December timeframe, and it also lines up with an uptrend that's been in place um, going back, you know, to last year. So if we do see a breakout above 390. That would put some risk on rates moving higher. You know, the next major levels are going to be 4%. And if you get above 4%, that, you know, the really next major resistance level is going to be that 420, 425 range um, that we did see play out in, you know, right around those October lows. One positive sign, though, is just that you're seeing the negative correlation between yields and stocks ease a little bit. So there's less sensitivity to higher rates. And that's what the bottom panel here shows. You can see that it's a rolling three-month correlation between the S&P and 10-year yields. And it's, it's starting to uh, move a little bit higher, still negative, but 
again, just less sensitivity around rising rates. Yeah, and and to put kind of this chart and what's happened with lately with the 10-year treasury yield into some context, uh, our asset allocation committee still expects the 10-year treasury yield to end the year between three and a quarter and 375. Um, again, um, while we saw uh, rates fall rather dramatically over the last, call it 30 days or so, um, that wasn't going to happen in a straight line. Um, and our, our yield expectations kind of indicate that. So again, we're expecting the 10-year treasury yield to end the year somewhere between three and a quarter and 375. Um, taking a look at this chart, a, um, so maybe furthering your, your commentary, you know, Adam, on uh, that the market seems to be reacting a little bit better, even though interest rates have been back on the rise just a bit. Yeah, so just along that, along the lines of that, you know, that negative correlation easing a little bit, we we went and back tested every time the ten-year yield jumped forty basis points or more over a ten-day period, which is a significant rise in Treasury yields um, from a historical perspective. We went and back and and back tested it since uh, March of last year, and we found eight different unique periods. And this looks at the S and P five hundred returns during those 10-day periods. Um, so you can see, you know, obviously it's a very negative response when rates move higher, especially at a, you know, 40 basis points in 10 days. Negative returns for the S&P ranged right around three and a half to, you know, negative 6%. What's notable, this is the first time the S&P is actually traded higher during that 10-day period. Um, it was up 0.5% based on the model that we ran. So pretty notable change in reaction um, to you know a, a surge in in longer duration yields. Yeah, and good good point there. Um, you know, again, that the market seems to be willing to look past higher rates just a, a little bit. So, a couple key takeaways. Um, I know you have Adam. What one one is the home builders, and then we're going to take a look at developed markets. What do, what do you have on the home builders side? Yeah, home builders have also been able to kind of look past higher rates, which is and, and really weak economic housing data. We did see existing home sales come out today. They were down for a 12th straight month. And if you look at even last week, you had housing starts and building permits both disappoint. Um, but home builders have really bucked the rising rate trend. And so why am I why am I talking about home builders today? I, I think as a technician, we think price leads fundamentals. And that's really what we're seeing with the home builder stocks. So there's a clear sign of a bottom in the home builders index that I brought with today. This is the Dow Jones US Select home builders. And it's really been climbing out of a bottom if you go back, you know, since the October lows, outperforming the S&P 500 here. You're seeing a little bit of a pullback from overbought levels that lines up really well with this rising price channel that's been in place. I think it looks like a pullback opportunity. And one thing I'd also note in terms of the economic data, we did see the National Association of Home Builders Housing Market Index um, post back-to-back -back monthly increases. That's notable just given that it was that's, that follows 12 straight months of declines in 2022. So we're seeing home builder sentiment finally start to improve. And when you do see home building, you know, home builder economic data bottom that usually coincides with the market bottom. So the next really 
Next key data point that we're looking for is for building permits to inflect higher. Haven't seen that yet. So something to watch as we go forward here. And on developed uh, international markets, this is something that's caught our attention clearly in our strategic and tactical asset allocation committee discussions throughout the most of or the entirety of 2022. We were domestically biased in terms of our asset allocation preference for U.S. markets relative to the rest of the world. That has begun to change just a little bit, and we're raising our eyebrow um, at developed non-U.S. markets. And this certainly, this chart certainly points out to, as to why that is. Uh, Adam, what do you think? Yeah, you've had a notable change in the MSCI EFA index um, just over the last few months here. You've reversed this declining price channel that's been in place um, going back to last year. And now you're climbing above a lot of key areas of overhead resistance. You've formed a new uptrend that's been in place since September. You're back above your, your key moving averages. And then the relative trend on the bottom panel, that's, you know, we didn't go back. This is just a, a two-year, three-year chart. Um, this is really a reversal of a secular downtrend, meaning we're starting to see developed international outperform the S&P 500. It is early innings of this reversal pattern, um, but it is notable given the duration of the downtrend that was in place before. It was several years that we've had developed international underperform the S&P 500. So now we're starting to see evidence of a potential um, new uptrend develop here. And if you look at just the, the fundamental side, I was looking just where this trades um, relative you know, to history and then relative to the S&P 500, just given this, this sizable rally that we've seen. And it actually looks cheap on a forward PE basis. So um, I think it's uh, trading about one turn below its 10-year average and then also about two turns below its, its relative forward PE average to the S&P. So fundamentally, our valuations look cheap, technicals look good here. So we're seeing this brief pullback um, on the MSCI EFA index, but overall the, the technical setup here continues to improve. Yeah, and, and it really, the bottom there coincides with those early readings that um, that UK and Eurozone inflation was, was peaking and beginning to kind of roll over when we saw that in the, in the fall months of, of last year. Again, as an asset allocation committee, we've raised our allocation to um, uh, develop non-US markets uh, and, and we expect this trend to kind of continue and we'll probably end up getting a little bit more constructive here you know, as we go. Uh, if this trend does in fact continue and inflation continues to subside in, in those markets. Um, so, uh, you know, Adam, just one last comment from you just on the on the overall setup. I know, again, you know, we said it a couple of times already is is that we're we're still cautiously constructive. I mean, the market's been a little bit messy here over the last, you know, several weeks, but um, not outside of expectations. And we've got some things to figure out in terms of when the Fed is actually going to stop, et cetera. Um, but it's it's in no way a, a sign that we're we're expecting any material change to our previously constructive view. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's any any reason to panic here. This looks like your typical pullback off overbought levels. Of course, there's there's catalysts that always play into that. But technical damage, like I said, has been relatively minimal underneath the surface. Things are holding up well. We're still seeing 
signs of cyclical leadership um, outperform. So like what we're seeing, not saying the market's making new highs, but I, I do think there's technical evidence that really does suggest the bear market lows um, were set last October. Um, I appreciate that, Adam. Um, well said. And um, folks, thank you for joining us for this edition of uh, Market Signals Podcast. For Adam Turnquist, uh, I am Mark Zabicki, and we will see you next week. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offer through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.